We're diving deep into Cardinals baseball with World Series champion Brad Thompson on the Redbird Report podcast on 101 ESPN, driven by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome into another edition of the Redbird Report podcast. I'm Brad Thompson. I'm your host, and I am excited to join you here today. Now, truth be told, I was going to try to wait until the Cardinals won a couple of games in a row to do another podcast, do a nice, excited one. But uh, due to the fact that I need to turn in more podcasts, uh, that wasn't going to happen. As we all know, the Cardinals have only won two games in a row twice this season, have yet to win three in a row, and are currently sitting with a four-game losing streak after getting swept in L.A. and then dropping the first one against the Angels back at home. So we'll get into that in this podcast. We'll get into the losing. We'll get into the month of April. We'll get into some thoughts uh, from Ollie, the mentality of this ball club, what they need to do to overcome it. Can they overcome it? Are the pieces there for this organization? We'll get into all that during the podcast, but it seems fitting to start this podcast by honoring a legend. Unfortunately, over the weekend, we got the word that Mike Shannon had passed away at the age of 83. Mike Shannon, the Cardinal Hall of Famer, part of three World Series championship team for the Cardinals, 50 years broadcasting Cardinal games. And really, Mike has been the voice of Cardinal baseball. I'm sure for each and every one of you, there are iconic moments that you you remember. And maybe you remember the visual of it. But I got a good feeling that you remember the voice of Mike Shannon being a part of it. So whether it was Albert hitting the home run off of Lidge, a three home run game, or it was a championship, a pennant, like Mike Shannon was the voice of all of it. And Mike had the unique ability to just connect to people. Whether you were sitting in a room with Mike or you were sitting in your car or at work or at home listening on the radio, you felt like you were best friends with Mike Shannon. He could tell a story better than pretty much anybody I have ever heard. His laugh is infectious. Like, you just hear Mike Shannon laugh, and it makes you laugh. It makes you happy with the big old cackle. (laughs) Big boy. The Cardinals obviously were in L.A. when that news came down about Mike Shannon's passing, and we had our flight home after the game on Sunday. And I got to tell you, it was three-plus hours of just telling Shannon stories opportunity of being with gentlemen that have known Mike for decades. Mike Claiborne and Mike Shannon have been friends forever, telling fantastic stories. John Rooney came over to work with the organization in 2006 alongside Mike on the radio. Rick Horton has known him forever. Jim Jackson, the engineer who has been there for years and years alongside Mike Shannon. It was just so fun to celebrate his life. And anybody that had been around Mike Shannon, or heck, you listen to Mike Shannon, you know that Mike celebrated his life. 83 years. We wish he could have been on this earth a lot longer than that. But boy, Mike got his money's worth out of his time here on this earth. And he affected so many lives and created so many memories. So just wanted to start this podcast just thinking about Mike Shannon and thinking about his family, six kids, a bunch of grandkids, his wife, Lori, thinking about all of them here as well as we start this off. All right, let's get into the 2023 Cardinals at this point. April is over, finally. 
Finally, that is over. That was disgusting. It was terrible. It was not what anybody wanted to see. That West Coast road trip, that one that you knew was going to be a challenge, well, that turned out to be an abject failure because Cardinals went 2-8 and eight on that bad boy. And May hasn't started out perfectly as the Cardinals dropped Game 1 against the Angels last night at Bush Stadium. It was a four-run first that derailed it. We'll get into that game a little bit later. We'll get into more specifically Stephen Matz a little bit later in this podcast as well. But with that loss last night, the Cardinals find themselves sitting here on May 3rd as I do the podcast at 10 and 20. 10 and 20. They are 10 games under 500, and they are 10 games back of the Pittsburgh Pirates. That's right, the Pittsburgh Pirates are 20 and 10. They're 7 and 3 in their last 10. Thank goodness the Tampa Bay Rays knocked them off 4 to 1 last night, or the Cardinals would find themselves even further behind. This is the worst start the Cardinals organization has had in 50 years. It had been since. Since 1973, the Cardinals had a worse start. They started 7-22 and in their first 29, and look, not exactly the comp that you were hoping to make. So there are plenty of questions at this point. One is, how on earth did the Cardinals get to this point? And I think that as most of you, if you're listening to this podcast, you've been watching. Chances are you've been watching night in, night out, and it's been maddening to watch. And the reason it's been maddening to watch is because the Cardinals have lost in so many different ways. We've seen the starting pitching falter. We've seen the offense not be there. We've seen both of those things be good in a game, and then the bullpen gives it up. We've seen a tight game that you battle back into, and the defense gives it up. This team has lost in so many different ways this season, and it was interesting going into the road trip. One of the biggest things that we had talked about most of the season and one of the reasons that you pointed to the Cardinals' struggles really had been your starting pitching. Well, on the road trip, again, Cardinals go 2-8. and eight. Your starters go 53 and a third inning. During that span, that was the fifth most innings in baseball. They had a 3.71 ERA. In that span, that was the fifth best ERA. And they still found themselves getting not much out of it. Like those guys ended up getting the job done relatively, right? Again, not anything to write home about. But the offense was stagnant on this trip During the road trip, they scored 3.2 runs a game. That was 27th in baseball. They hit 237 was the average. That was 21st in that span. A 293 on base percentage. That was 24th in that span. And they slugged a 363 clip. That was 23rd. Like the offense did just not show up at all on this road trip. They didn't hit with runners in scoring position. They didn't get a bunch of extra base hits. Not a lot of home runs, which, boy, that would be nice for this ball club to start hitting the ball out of the ballpark. That is going to be a necessity here as they try to dig out of this hole. But that's the maddening part of all of this. If you're Ollie, if you're his staff, if you are the front office, there are just so many different things that you can point at on a given night and say, all right, well, that was the issue, and this is the issue. And the difficult thing is, like, revisionist history is easy. Hindsight is twenty twenty. 
we all know that there were more moves that the front office could have made this offseason. There were aces to acquire. There were guys that they could have gone after. There were different moves that could have been made. But all of that's gone, right? The club that you have right now is the club that you have right now. There are no big deals to be made right here at the beginning of May. Generally, you just don't see blockbusters happen like that. If they do, chances are you got fleeced for a lot of pieces that you're going to need down the road. But there still is that belief that this group is a hell of a lot better than they're playing right now. This isn't a 10-game under 500 team. Like, that's crazy to think with a nucleus that you have of the reigning MVP in Paul Goldschmidt, who, by the way, is still getting it done, with Nolan Arenado, who came in third in the MVP, and Wilson Contreras, who's been a proven bat over the years, those three alone offensively should be able to keep you right there, at least even Steven, right? At least middle of the pack, and then you hope to get more and more consistency from some of the younger guys in this lineup. But herein lies one of the biggest problems that the Cardinals are facing right now. And this is not to lay everything at the feet of one player because we all know how crazy that would be to do in the game of baseball. But the Cardinals in 2023 cannot win. They cannot win if Nolan Arenado is not doing his thing. And right now, Nolan is not doing his thing. You look at his numbers, you look at the stat cast stuff, it looks a heck of a lot less like Nolan Arenado than it does a backup catcher who is a glove first guy. I mean, the numbers right now, just across the board for the season, he's hitting 233, 283, 10. That's his slash line with a 590 OPS. Two home runs, 14 RBI right now for Nolan Arenado. But like those numbers are are bad and they're alarming. Really though, the Statcast numbers are the ones the, the more advanced numbers. The average exit velocity is way down. The hard hit rate is way down. All of the expected numbers are way down. This has not been a case for Nolan Arenado of bad luck. You guys remember a couple of years ago with Matt Carpenter where the numbers were down and they pointed to, hey, look, this looks good, though. We, we expect this to get better because of the hard hit rates and he's hitting into bad luck and they've got the shift and they got all that stuff. Right now, that's simply not the case for Nolan Arenado. Now, the last couple of days, we've seen him hit the ball a little bit harder. We saw him line out to left last night. Also saw, and I guess right now with the way that he's swinging the bat, like any little thing in the right direction you'll take. Saw a really good walk from him on a pitch that he would have flailed at two days ago. It was a pitch just under the zone. Took his walk, took the base. But I've never seen Nolan, at least in a Cardinal uniform, as in between as he is right now. The wheels are turning so much, and you guys are watching all the time. You know how intense Nolan Arenado is in everything that he does. Like He is digging into this every which way that he can. He's taking time. Tireless reps in the cage, off the tee, he's doing flips, he's taking live BP, he's going the other way, he's probably trying to stand on his head. There are so many things. I'm, I'm 
I know that he's utilizing basically every resource that he has. Those resources within the clubhouse, outside the clubhouse. He's basically reaching out to anybody that knows him and knows his swing really well to get back on track. And it's inevitable. Like, it, it's going to happen. You look at the back of the guy's baseball card, and you know it's going to be there. And we do have a reference point. We do have last year in May for Nolan Arenado. Last year in May, Nolan Arenado hit 196. Here's the overall slash line for May of last year. So 196. 270, 373. That's good for a 642 OPS. Now, that 642 OPS, a little bit higher than he's rocking right now. Right now, the OPS for Nolan Arenado is sitting at 590 for the season. But we've seen him battle himself at the plate. I think the big difference last year is we saw him have a very bad May after he had an incredible April. In April, he hit 375. He had an 11.25 OPS. He had five home runs, and he drove in 17. It was a monster month for Nolan Arenado, and uh, pretty much his best month. August was an unbelievable month for him as well. But you saw the great, and then you saw the downturn. And then right after that, it picked up again. In June, he hit 290 with an 825 OPS. July was 338 with a 1054. And then August, as I mentioned, was a monster month where he hit 365 with an 1139 OPS. So you saw the, the high, the peak. You saw the valley. And then back to another peak, basically, for the rest of the season for Nolan Arenado. Now, I will say in all fairness and all truthfulness, I don't think it looked as bad as it has looked in this last month. I think during that stretch last year in May, we saw Nolan way out in front of a lot of pitches, and it seemed more mechanical, popping a ton of stuff up, if you guys remember, to the infield. Just a lot of weak pop-ups. Right now, I think that you're seeing more of an approach issue and pitch recognition, and just everything is snowballing on Nolan Arenado right now. But there is no way around this. The Cardinals' struggles don't get better. They don't go on a winning streak. They don't go out and just have an epic month if Nolan Arenado is not the Nolan Arenado on the back of his baseball card. And that is not news to Nolan. I think that's half the reason why he's putting as much pressure on himself as he is. As an individual, he wants to do well. But I'm telling you, he cares more about what this team is doing. Remember, the main reason that he wanted to come to St. Louis is he wanted to win. He wanted to be around a culture that winning meant more than anything else, meant more than any individual statistic. And that's why he's putting more pressure on himself because he knows this. Like He knows that he needs to be there hand-in-hand hand with Goldie and carrying this offense. Then you'd like to have Wilson Contreras in that mix a little bit more. I think that we're still seeing him ease into things. He's been better at home this year. We also saw some good things on the road trip. He's been great with two strikes this season. But you know that there's more there offensively for Contreras. That's your nucleus. It's those three guys. When you're looking at the offense, those guys have to be clicking for everything to be going the Cardinals' way. And to this point in the season, that simply has not happened for the Redbirds. So Nolan Arenado, look, um, it's crazy to say you don't worry about him because you do. You worry about how quickly it's going to be that he gets back because you need him. You need him to get back. But I know in my heart of hearts that he will. I know that he is going to be fine because I've seen it his entire career. 
The other part of this ball club that is interesting from an offensive standpoint is the amount of youth that you have. I just laid out your nucleus there, what you're supposed to be built upon, your foundation of Goldie, Arenado, and Contreras. But you got a lot of young players, too, that have never really been in this situation before. you got young guys like Alec Burleson, who got less than 50 at-bats at the big leagues last year. Donovan is in his sophomore season. Newt Bark became a sensation overnight and now is in the middle of this streak right now where the Cardinals are just not winning too many baseball games. Had Jordan Walker early in the season. We talked about him getting sent down last week. I think you could still lump the 24-year-old Dylan Carlson into this. I think you could lump Tyler O'Neill into this, even though that he's not uh, necessarily that young. I feel like he's not an established big leaguer at this point. We're still trying to figure out what that outfield looks like. And when you think about this from a young player standpoint, I'm just kind of putting myself in the young player's shoes and also the shoes of a player that was just trying to remain on a roster oftentimes. That's one of the biggest challenges I think Ollie has right now with his young guys, and I know that this is something that he has conveyed to them, is getting them to focus on the task of what do you need to do today to help the Cardinals win? as opposed to what do I need to do today to make sure I stay in the big leagues? And oftentimes, those are the same things. Like, they really are, but when your focus is, all right, I got to do this so I can stay, so I can be back here tomorrow, so I can be in the lineup again instead of getting shipped out to Memphis, all that does is put added pressure on a young player. Young player doesn't need any more pressure. And going through a streak like the Cardinals are right now and going through the, these down times, it's hard on every player, but it is mentally taxing on a young guy who is constantly fearing their job being yanked out from under them. So I do believe that that's a challenge for every one of those young players to be thinking through, how do I help us win right now? Not, okay, if I go four for four, I'll stay here tomorrow, and so-and-so in AAA won't be here. Forget all that crap. Like You can't worry about any of that. It's easy to say it's hard to do, and that's part of Ollie's job, and that's part of the staff's job is just making sure that these young guys are as comfortable as they can possibly be so they can perform at the highest level because I truly do believe that to, to borrow a Chris Duncanism, love my guy Dunk, uh, they're playing with the tight cheeks, okay? That's like exactly what you're seeing. A team, a team that has been so fundamentally sound the last couple of years, really ever since Mike Schilt took over and then Ollie took over and those things were still like paramount. You had to have all the details right. The details have not been as good for the Cardinals. Coming into last night, I think the Cardinals had 14 errors in their last 20 games. It seems like every error comes back to bite them, and I really think that much of it is so much pressure that each individual is putting on themselves that they're not allowing themselves to just go out and play free. It's hard to play free when you're losing. It's hard to play free when the media is on you after every game. It's hard to play free when the fan base is angry. And that's not to say those things shouldn't be happening. You should be angry as a fan. Like, you're invested in this ball club. You watch every night. You go to ball games. You spend your money on them. Like, you are in on the product. You care. Like, you care about the product. I'm not saying you shouldn't be upset about it. And I'm not saying the media shouldn't be asking all these questions. These are all things as professionals you have to be able to filter 
but it's difficult to do, right? Easy to say, hard to do, and I think it's hard for some of the veteran guys as well, but really something that the young players have to focus on, and I think that the I, I know that there are those conversations there trying to take some of that weight off of their shoulders. So what about if you're Ollie? If you're Ollie Marmel right now, you're the manager of the Cardinals, you're wildly underperforming everyone's expectations internally, externally. Where do you go now? What is the next turn? What is the mentality that you have as a club? Here's what Ollie had to say after the game last night. No one's feeling sorry for us right now, okay? The, the league loves watching us fail because we're good every year. Um, so there's not a team out there that, that's sitting back and, and feeling sorry for us. Uh, no one's going to hand us anything, and we're just going to have to dig deep and prove everybody wrong, and uh, we're up for the task. That sounds to me like a little us against the world right there. The, hey, nobody is going to believe in us. Nobody's going to feel bad for us, which, by the way, both things are true. Let's go prove everybody wrong. And I think that that actually is a really good way to attack it as a team, even if you're, you're, it's a mental trick, right? You're trying to do that, like nobody's believing. Let's go do it. Stuff like that ends up working sometimes. I don't know if that works for you guys. Uh, half of the things that drive me are probably thinking that other people don't believe that I can do it. Like there is something to that, and maybe you have an edge like that where it's like, oh, oh, really? You don't think that I can do X, Y, and Z? Well, watch. Here comes X, Y, and Z, and then a little bit more. That's what they're trying to do at this point. It is also another way to probably play a little bit more free and easy where it's like forget the noise, okay? Forget all of the outside noise, which, by the way, in 2023 is a heck of a lot harder to do than it was a decade ago with all of the various social media and all of the news and all of the chatter and everybody's got all of the information. But it is an important thing to do is to check all that and to go out and play baseball. And it's got a chance to be an epic story. And really, when you think about it, look, this happens every year. There are bad months every year. It just sucks that this one happened to come in the first month. I think you could look back the last couple of years and just realize that bad months happen, right? And not always to the extent of what we just saw, but July of 2022, Cardinals were two games under 500. They were 11 and 13 in that month. Not great. They finished the season 93 and 69. You look at 2021, June, they went 10 and 17 in the month. Like that is a bad month. Finished with 90 wins, 90 and 72. 2019, there's a bad month. How about 9 and 18 in the month of May? Finished out 91 and 71. As you know, they beat the Braves in the divisional round and ended up, uh, well, getting hit by a buzzsaw of the Nationals in the NLCS. June and September of 2018 had 12 and 15 months, ended with 88 wins. Like this happens month in or year in and year out. And, look, I, I think it's fair to say, too, say, well, Brad, look, 90 wins, 91 wins, 88 wins is not going to cut it this year. That might be true. Like, that might not work out here. Now, you do have the expanded playoffs. I think that a 90-win team ends up getting in, getting a, a wild card. Um, I, I don't think 90 wins necessarily wins this division. I also don't think the Pirates win this division. I still look at the Brewers as the team that the Cardinals will be hunting down unless they end up going out and making some wholesale trades. 
But the, the big reminder here is this stuff happens, okay? It happens in a given month, in a long six-month season. But now, having it happen early, the Cardinals really don't have much of a net under them as they perform for the rest of the season. So things are going to have to turn quickly. And the hope was things were going to end up turning for the Cardinals in game one against the series with the Angels. As they come to town, Cardinals get off that long, wretched West Coast road trip. It was awful. Nothing about it was good. But they get home, the friendly confines of Bush Stadium, and you think, okay, let's go. Let's go set the tempo. And then... Steven Matz gives up four in the first inning, highlighted by a Taylor Ward three-run bomb with two outs and two strikes on a cutting changeup that was just a freaking dagger and took all of the air out of Bush Stadium. All of the positive vibes that might have been there felt like they left in the first inning with one swing of the bat by Ward. I get it. You had plenty of at-bats. I had the whole game left to be able to scrape out four-plus runs. Cardinals didn't do it. They only got one. Certainly some blame left on the offense. But, boy, that puts you in a big hole after a losing streak like that and to have a first inning like that for Steven Matz. And it's been a bit of a maddening season for Matz, who lasted five innings in that game, only gave up the four runs in the first inning, made some adjustments after that. But now here is Steven Matz sitting at 0-4. He's got a 6.39 ERA. And this is a guy, you got him for the next couple of years. This was the big ticket acquisition a year ago. Got a four-year, $44 million deal, and you felt like you were going to need to lean on him, especially after an injury-riddled season. You need Steven Matz to be a guy. We see it in spurts. You'll see a couple of innings. You saw the, the final four innings where it's like, boom, there it is. But you don't see it in its entirety, or at least we haven't seen it in its entirety so far this season. So, Ali Marmel, when you are watching Steven Matz, what are you seeing? What did you see last night out of Matz? We got to get to the point where um, you don't have to get punched in the face to to get to that aggressiveness where, you, where you're getting after it and making pitches. Um, looked like he was trying to be too fine early on and then uh, started attacking a little bit more. But the, the last four innings were exactly what we needed. There's obviously some frustration there with Ollie in talking about Matt's and the beginning of it, of that quote there is something that we've seen a lot. We've seen Steven Matt's end up giving up some runs or giving up a couple of big hits or giving up two strike hits, which boy, he's given up a lot of those bad boys. And then he gets angry and then he starts dialing in. Be angry early. You should show up on the mound ticked off with the way that things have been going. Stephen Matt's stuff is really good. Like, it's really good. When you go look at him when he is on, just watch the the second, third, fourth, and fifth. Like, this stuff really plays. It's when you're trying to be fine. Like, just coming into the game last night, he had one of the lower first pitch strike rates in baseball. That does not breed confidence for me, right, when, you, when you're looking at, at that. You fill up the zone, you get ahead. He's given up a ton of two-strike hits. There's been a lot of damage up in the zone, a lot of damage with the home runs, especially with two strikes. I just feel like there is so much more there potentially from Steven Matz, but I feel like he needs to unlock those things. He needs to figure out where that inner beast is early on, and maybe that's unfair. Like Maybe he is doing that out there. It just doesn't look like it. Uh, but I just feel like there's no way with the stuff that he has – 
he should have a 6.39 ERA here through six starts. Like, that just does not compute to me with as good as his stuff is because I love the signing two years ago. Loved it. I thought that he would be a very big depth piece for this rotation. Last year, throw it out. He had injuries. He was banged up. It was the shoulder. Then it was the knee. Like, that is very difficult to grade what the first season is going to look like. But as far as we know, he's healthy this year. The velocity is there. And you're just not seeing it throughout the entire game. Like, I think that's the next level for Steven Matz. And, and I truly do believe that there is another level. I don't care how many years he's been in the league, how many innings he's got. Like, there is a next step. And to me... Again, just watching outside looking in. I think that the next step is that intensity from him early on of, I am better than you, and I'm going to go prove it from pitch one. Not, I'm going to nibble this corner, nibble that corner. No, like, here it comes. See what you got. Even in that first inning, there were a couple of hits, and they were on, on the fastball. They were ground balls. Who cares? Give me another ground ball. I got a good defense. Use those guys behind you. But it's just uh, I'm sure he's more frustrated than anybody is about how things have gone to this point. Would just love to see the intensity from beginning to end. And I get it that that could end up it could be a very unfair statement. Some guys can't pitch like that. Some guys can't pitch angry. I was angry all the time. Look at the back of my baseball card. Like that was easy for me to pitch upset because things were never going super well for me. But I just truly believe with Steven Matz, there's more there. And I think it's like a, a legit question here of how long is the rope for Steven Matz this season? Is it seven starts, eight starts? Is it the six that he just had? You know, Matthew Libertor is throwing the ball ridiculously well at AAA. You also made a roster move yesterday and sent Zach Thompson, who had been the number one lefty out of the pen. You sent him to AAA. They bring in Guillermo Zuninga, which, by the way, congratulations to Guillermo because he made his major league debut last night. He punched out two, the first batter he faced in Wallach, and then the last batter he faced in Mike Trout, like a pretty darn good first outing for uh, Zuniga. So he uh, he has lights out stuff. Excited to see him in the bullpen. We'll find out what that role ends up looking like for him. But you do wonder if there is potentially a thought of moving him to the bullpen and bringing Libertor into this rotation. Like, uh, how long can you watch the same thing over and over again? The money is spent. Like, that's the whole sunken cost fallacy of, well, we'll just keep plugging them in there and just see what happens. Team needs a spark. So, uh, I, like I said a minute ago, like I, I do believe that there's more there for Steven Matz. I do not know how patient you can be, though, if things continue to trend the way that they do. Now, Zach Thompson gets sent out to AAA, and it, it's – Zach's not being made a scapegoat here by any means. He is going to be given the opportunity to go pursue something that he wants to do. He wants to be a big league starter. Now, let's let's be honest. He'd rather be in the big leagues right now contributing to this ball club. But if he's got to get sent back to AAA, this is what he wants to do. And with the state of things in this rotation, the influx, it's been up, it's been down. You know that throughout the course of 162 games, there's plenty of injuries that pop up. Zach Thompson could 
could be a big part of what is happening in this rotation, whether it be this year or a year down the road. So I look forward to seeing what Zach does with his opportunity. But serious question marks on what they're going to do with that spot in the rotation if Matt's continues to struggle. So, look, it, it has been a crazy 30 games to this point. It has been a very bad 30 games to this point. Again, Cardinals 10 games under 500, 10 games behind the Pirates, and it gets a whole lot easier at Bush Stadium tonight as they face off against Shohei Otani and the Angels. Grab your popcorn. That should be fun. 645 first pitch, and hopefully we got some good news to talk about next time on the Redbird Report. I'm Brad Thompson, and we'll see you again next time. You've been listening to the Redbird Report podcast with Brad Thompson on 101 ESPN, driven by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Check out every episode at 101ESPN.com or on your 101 mobile app.